This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. So welcome to this Research in Practice podcast. My name is Hannah Scott. I'm a Research and Development Officer at Research in Practice, and I'm also a qualified social worker, and I've previously worked in child protection roles. I'm delighted to be talking to Rebecca today, who is a mum of two daughters, and she's got previous experience with care proceedings and social care. And she's going to be talking to us about her experiences in the family court and some key learning and experience sharing for social workers to understand the, the experience of parents uh, when they are going through the family court. So hi, Rebecca. It's great to have you with us today. Would you like to start by just giving us um, just a short sort of overview of your background and sort of your experience with, with social care in the family court? Um, well, it, firstly, it started with my oldest daughter. Um, her dad said that I had done child neglect, which I hadn't, but social services took it in as a um, high priority because at the time my mum had just passed away and I'm not gonna say I'm a perfect person because everyone has their faults, but at the time my um my house wasn't decorated, so that was a that was like a um concern for the so- local authorities. Her case was closed. We didn't go to um no court proceedings for her, but when I had my youngest, I had to show the local authorities that I was a good parent. Yeah. So when I had I gave birth 2017. Um, I was in the hospital for for weeks, even though I've had I had my daughter because they wanted to place me in a mother and baby unit, but they had to wait for a place available. So they put me under. I think it was an in, interim order. I can't remember what it was called. Um, my solicitor went to court. They filed for it. Then I went. Then I was placed in the mother and baby unit for twelve weeks. I felt like Big Brother was watching me because every every move I made, it's like they they kept a whole tab on me. So I didn't know that when we first when I first went there that you couldn't turn off the light. I'm so used to sleeping with the light off. We had to have the lamp on, and the, I remember the staff coming. Oh, but you've got to turn on the lamp because we can't see on the camera. I would say it was a it was it wasn't a good experience being in the mother and baby unit. Some of the staff was okay because they had children, so they understood what it was like to be a mum. But then you had staff that didn't have children, and to me, you're just reading out of a textbook because you're not you're not getting that whole experience. You're not getting the real experience. You're just reading what it states in a textbook. So they put me as my mother and baby unit um thing came back negative because they said I didn't know my child's cues I wasn't being I wasn't a good enough parent but I knew everything about her I knew why I knew what the what different cries were so I knew when she was crying because she was hungry I knew she was crying when she was tired and I knew when she was crying when she was wet but to the to the local authority I'm a I'm a risk when we went to court they said she was at risk. I felt like, hold on, I'm a mum. Why would she be at risk with me? I'm not doing anything that a mum doesn't do. And you mentioned sort of being in the hospital. So how soon were you in court after your daughter was born? So we had the um, child protective conference 
the pre-birth one, the woman said that um, she would have suffered neglect. And I was like, but she's in my room. How is she suffering neglect? We, I, I gave birth and then my, um, my daughter's dad went to um, court. So it wasn't even that long that we, that we, we, had to, he had to go, we went to court. And was that your first contact then with sort of legal professionals and how in that legal arena, or had you had any meetings beforehand with solicitors to get any advice, or was it the first time when you were actually in court? It wasn't. My um, friend's mum said to me that she gave me this um, solicitors, and she said to me, "Go and go there and get some advice because you're going to need it." So I went. I told the woman I, she she came to she came to court as my solicitor. She came back to me and she said that they were going to put me as a in I think it was an interim um, order where I had to be in the mother and baby unit. So she sent me all the paperwork for that, and then I was in the mother and baby unit. So I didn't go to court until after I left the mother and baby unit because they gave me another another assessment to do where I lived with this woman and it was like a foster family placement. But she was fine. She had no concerns. Because at one point they wanted her to put a monitor in my room. She said that she didn't feel like that was necessary. She didn't have no issues. But to the local authority, there was an issue. I was at high risk. So when you attended court um, and, and for those first hearings and throughout the proceedings, did you receive the court paperwork to read through? And and how did that feel looking at those documents? Um, I got the court paperwork and it was it was overwhelming because half of the stuff they're writing, I don't understand what, they, what they're saying. So it wasn't easy for me to understand. But luckily I had like my partner's, family to help me understand certain things but it wasn't easy did you find then that it included words and and terminology that maybe people weren't social workers weren't using when they sat down to talk to you but then when it that those those words would appear in the court work yeah they don't say them fancy um academic words when they're in front of you, they just talk normal. But when it's on paper, they're writing all these big words that you don't understand. I know it's. I know you have to write when it's legal stuff academically, but at least write it so parents can understand what you're saying. Because if we're reading it and we don't understand what you're saying, then that don't help us. It didn't help me one because I suffer from dyslexia, so it's kind of hard for me to understand what you're trying to say. And I think the, the paperwork can be, you know, there's, we know there's vast reams of it and it can be quite overwhelming to, to have a look at anyway. And you, you mentioned their dyslexia. Did anyone sit down with you as a professional to go through that paperwork or was anything done differently to help you be able to understand that or access that in a way that helped you? Um, maybe not the local throat, but my solicitor, she said, to, she explained, she's like, this is what they're saying I can state on your your behalf if it's true or not. And I, so it was easier for me to understand because she explained it more. She put it in an easy term than that academic wording. And is there anything that, you know, if, if you were talking to social workers and giving them advice when sharing that paperwork, 
when writing that paperwork, what would be the main advice that you would want them to take on board as they're writing about parents and their and children? Um, I would say you could write one where you've written it academically and then write one for par- parents that don't understand that academic wording to write it simple so they you still have your academic professional written part but you have one where the parents understand what you basically what you're saying in the in in the in the um in your paperwork because then it's easier then they won't have to be sitting there trying to figure out what is he or she saying and did you feel that the paperwork and the assessments reflected you as a as a person and you as a mother did you feel it had the positives and the negatives or how, how did that that feel in terms of get, capturing that overall picture well in they were in the mother and baby unit they were doing these little tasks like I've done that I did that when I had my firstborn so it, it wasn't anything that I didn't know how to do I knew how to change a diaper. I knew how to um, make a bowl. The social worker would say a positive, and then in two two minutes flat, you're 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 given a negative. You don't even let the parent enjoy that one positive you're saying before you come out with your negative. And it's not fair because as because they're not they don't they I know they're the local authority but they're not the one that's going making everyone pick every little piece of them as a parent and it's not fair you give a positive keep that positive don't even say if you want to say negative give it a while before give all the positives first then give out your negative or you could give out the negative first and then say oh but she's done this She's doing this well and she's doing that well. Don't just jump from she's doing this well and then, oh, but she hasn't done this. It's, you're, you're building that person's confidence just to knock it back down again. Were there any surprises when you saw the court paperwork? Was there anything that that was the first time that that professional view had been put across to you? Or had, had the social workers and the local authority been very clear with you what their recommendations were up until that point? The social worker had his recommendations. That that was fine. It's just the fact that he read a report about my eldest daughter and he just assumed I was that person. He didn't ask me, like, what had happened? How did this happen? Nothing like that. He just assumed I was this person because the way he would speak to me like I was a fool because I was he would speak to me like I didn't have no education or I couldn't do this. And he was so surprised when one day I emailed him. He was like, oh, but you can email me. Well, I'm very good with the computer. You just didn't know this because you didn't take a t- you didn't take your time out to get to know me. You just assumed I was this person that you re- you're reading on the paper. And I'm not that. I'm, I might not be book smart. I, I've just got dyslexia, so I might not be book smart. But me telling him, me like being a, doing other things, I'm very good at. And so when you first attended court then, who was it that helped you prepare for that? Did you know what to expect walking through those court doors and the setup? And, and what was what did people do that was helpful and were the things that maybe weren't done that would have been helpful? Um, I would say my um, even though she was she was my solicitor in the courtroom, but she wasn't 
my solicitor that sent me all the paperwork. But she she told me who was going to be in the courtroom and who was going to say what on whose behalf. So she said the local authority has his solicitor. Um, you have me as your solicitor. Your partner has his solicitor. And then you have an advocate for your daughter. So that person will speak up on your daughter's behalf. And then we speak one by one by one. You, I'll speak on your behalf. Your daughter's guardian will speak on her behalf. It's, you have nothing to worry about. It's, it's not like a, it's not like a criminal court. It's a family court, so it looks different. So she explained that to me, and I felt more relieved to know exactly how it was going to look in the room than me just walking in and just being overwhelmed. Yeah. Was there anything about the about court that you weren't expecting that you hadn't been prepared for? Um, I didn't know that you couldn't say anything. I know because I thought it's family court. You could say, you could speak to the judge, but I didn't know that you couldn't. It was kind of weird that I couldn't like say what I wanted to say, but I told my solicitor what I wanted to say. She's like, you can't address the judge, but I can address the judge for you. So whatever you want to tell me, then I'll wait. Yeah. I remember feeling quite surprised at that actually myself of, of how much of the discussions were also done outside of the actual courtroom when I first went to court as a new qualified social worker and expecting far more of it to be discussions between these the solicitors and the judge and, and working things out a bit more together. I was surprised at how much of that happened in, in those little rooms. Yeah. And how did how did that feel when those discussions were happening outside of the court? Were, did you feel like you were involved in those? Did you understand what was happening in those discussions? No, because they all went in one room and they all started talking. Why can't we all just sit down and talk? Why is it like, why do you keep going back and forth, back and forth? But my solicitor, she's like, don't worry about it. It's just the legal kind of jargon that we're giving it. It's got nothing to do with what the local authority. It's just that he's going back to him. So he knows exactly what he's saying on their behalf. So the decisions that were made in those discussions in those small rooms, did you feel that they your voice was included in those um, on behalf, you know, by your solicitor? And or did any surprises come out of, of the decisions made? Um, my solicitor, when they had the discussion, she called, she said to me, I wanna she wanted to talk to me and say she told me what they said. She said, You can tell me if it's true or not, because they're gonna bring it up in court. So I was like, no, that never happened. But I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember that happening. And I think one of the other things you mentioned to me when we spoke before was about not having sort of new recommendations or contradictions by workers and the local authority being clear about what their recommendation was as well. So, and it not just saying it's up to the judge because the local authority will still be making a recommendation. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Um, we was in the mother and baby for mother and baby unit for 12 weeks and it had finished where I got my negative um, it came out negative so because I said to the um, social worker what happens now because the thing like it's finished he's like well I don't know 
but it's finished. So at one point they're gonna want us to um to leave because we can't be our things finished. He was like, Well, I don't know, I'll get back to you on it. So by the time that happened, by the he hadn't got back to me, but we had gone to court. So I said it to my solicitor. Um, he never got back to I don't know what's gonna happen. She's like, Well, my fit my our thing is negative and our thing is finishing so I don't know what's gonna happen after that so she was like what did he say I said well he said he don't know and he will get back to me on it so my solicitor bring it bring it up to the judge in court he she was like well the local authority hasn't told us what the next step is and he's like in what circumstances is that because their mother and their 12 weeks has finished and they got a negative um, outcome. So what is the next step? Where do they, if they're going to have to leave the mother and baby unit, where do they go? Because he doesn't, he's recommended that they don't go home. So where are they going to go? So the judge said that they had the rest of this week to figure it out. He's like, because if you do not want them to go home, where are they going to go once they once the unit has to make them come out? So he he sent it back to court, but it wasn't for us to be in court. It was for them to come back into court to um, explain to the judge where we was going to go. Yeah. I think it was like a week later after that, he said that we had a um, foster placement and then the foster place, the lady came. He's like, you need to pack up your stuff for, and then wait for the foster lady. I said, I don't like unit. But the thing was, he never gave us not really any information about this woman, like where we were going. And I thought, hold on, you want us to go into someone's house that I don't, I don't know. I don't know who they are. I don't know nothing about yeah, that's a lot of uncertainty and not knowing what's happening and then quite quickly by the sounds of it moving to that that foster placement with with your daughter um was what would have been helpful then other you know I presume a, a bit more notice of conversations happening before about at the end of the mother and baby unit this is what be what happens but what would have been helpful to prepare you for that next placement? I feel like you could have done a like before we move, like before we leave the mother and baby unit, you could have bring the lady to come and talk to us so we knew like I don't know her. He bring her, she came the same day she was coming to collect us. So it wasn't like to say I hadn't met this woman beforehand to know who she was. I'm thinking to myself, I don't know this woman. I don't know nothing about you. And you want me to bring my baby into this woman's house that I don't know of? I know I'm going to be there, but that's not the point. But she was a lovely lady. She she said, she even said, I don't understand how this is supposed, like how they done this. They didn't give her much information either, she said. So she was quite, she, she just thought it was, mum and baby she didn't know it was mum baby and dad she didn't know that and so did all three of you go and stay with with that foster carer then yeah yeah we was in there until the last court proceedings and what what was the outcome of those assessments then sort of at the end of that placement and at the end of care proceedings um I know the ladies one was 
like she gave me a positive one so the outcome of the proceedings was that you and your daughter were able and was that with with your partner as well yeah yeah so that all three of you were able to go back home and and, and live as a family unit yeah. yeah under the um one year supervision order and to reach that decision then and to go through all the the sort of the numerous court hearings um that are held to make those decisions did you ever have to give evidence or did you have to watch other people give evidence about your family situation no and how did how did it feel towards the end of the proceedings and when you were in then those those final hearings did it feel more positive because you were you were having a, a positive outcome did it still feel a bit really daunting and how, um, how was that positive yeah. Because the social worker was, for some strange reason, he seemed more positive than he did in the beginning. What do you think had made that difference? Because you mentioned earlier about him not necessarily taking the time to see the, the person beyond the paperwork and and finding out more about you. So what, um, what do you think helped that change? Um, maybe it's because I told him what I... I wasn't rude. I just told him what I of him because he asked me he's like what do you think of me and I was like well I find you patronizing and this is probably why I can't have this conversation with you when you speak about my daughter because you you just come off as patronizing to me so I can't I can't like trust you to say anything and I told him I don't trust you from when you spoke about me behind my back and then lied to you in my face so that gave me some distrust with you. Mm. And he he made it sound like I was losing my mind or something because he was like, I never did that. And the worst thing about it was you I have three people around the table in the meeting that ha- that was in the meeting with you. So unless you're gonna lie upon them as well and make it sound that they're telling a lie to me. Did that conversation change your working relationship? Was he able to, um, you, you, you've said about sort of him understanding and, and, and not telling him that not to talk to you in a, in a patronising way. Did, was that conversation helpful? Did it change that relationship in the future? I feel like it changed it because we could talk, he could ask me a question and I would give him the answer. Before when he asked it, it was like, it's like my mind would shut off. So I would go into my own world and I wouldn't answer. And did you feel that throughout the decisions made in the, you know, you've mentioned numerous different assessments and we know that there's, again, all the paperwork and the various different assessments that are completed of families. Um, and then there's the, you know, the social work relationships and interactions you have. Uh, did you feel that in all of that work that your individual needs and culture and identity and personality were were captured and understood? Um, maybe at the end, not in the beginning, because I did go through a bereavement and no one asked, no one really did ask me how I felt about that. Even though I know it was be- prior to it, it was still, it still did have an impact on me. It was only when I was in the, the foster placement, they asked me how, like, how do you feel? Even when I had the mother and baby in the mother and baby unit, and they would ask me questions about my mum, I wouldn't talk about it. 
I could tell them about my childhood, my relationship with my mom, but when it came to asking me about the day she passed away, it was hard for me to even talk about it. Mm. I couldn't talk about that. Yeah, so understanding the the significant events in your life and how that had impacted you would have been helpful for them to know at the beginning, but on the same note of understanding and being sympathetic with you that it was difficult to talk about and you needed that time to build those relationships and talk about it. Um, the social worker, not the first one, the second one, he was like, maybe you need, maybe you need some counselling. Maybe you need a bereavement counsellor where you, even if you can't tell like family members, friends, us, you can talk to somebody that you don't know and maybe that might work. In the beginning, I'm not going to lie to you, I was very hesitant. I'm thinking, sitting there, I'm, I don't know this person, I can't tell like a stranger my problems. But gradually, like every session, I would say it worked because I got to the point where I could have that. When she asks, like what happened between like the day of your mom's death, I could explain it without crying, without feeling anxious. I could tell her. And it was it was very comforting to know that I could tell somebody else my problems. So that had been quite a positive recommendation by the social worker then. Very recommendation. And it was so helpful. And you've said that the proceedings ended then with the supervision order and you were, you and your partner able to care for your daughter at home. So what happened after the proceedings um, ended? We would have um, meetings, like we would come together and have meetings at my house. The social worker I had wasn't my social worker anymore. He left. The social worker I got was his manager. He became my social worker. So he said, you have visits where I'll come unannounced. I was fine with that because there was I didn't have nothing to hide. Everything was in its place. I did a parenting course. It was called uh, Strengthening Families and Communities. I passed it with flying colours. So that, would you say that that course was helpful then and, and the things that, that were put in place in the supervision order were helpful for you? Yeah, and um, I went through an ordeal through the supervision order and I was proper, um, how can I put it? I was proper nervous and anxious because... I was thinking, oh, hold on. Does this mean that we're going to go back to court? Because I was so terrified. I was terrified. But my social worker made me, he was like, no, you've done every step that you needed to take. Because I dis- I um, suffered a domestic violence ordeal during the um, one-year supervision order from my daughter's dad. And I... I was so nervous. When it happened, I phoned my social worker. I said, can I talk to you about something? He's like, you can talk to me. But I don't want to talk to him. I said to him, I didn't want to talk to him over the phone. So he was like, well, um, I will um, make an appointment with you. And it was literally the next, the same day I called, was the next day he, he made the appointment with me. I came in, I explained to him that there was an um, altercation between me and my daughter's dad. My daughter wasn't there. She was with her grandparents, but he's at the second. He's, so he, he wrote it down on paper. At that time, I, there was a video that I had made because my ex-partner kept on following me around the house. So I had made the, the video where I'm 
I was anxious, so I showed him that. He said to me, "For so it doesn't escalate, and just in case he wants, he tries to come back, I need you to call the police and make a report on it. So make a report, which I did. They came out, they took a video of the video that I made. He said, we're not going, he's like, what, what's your worry? I said, I feel like we're going to go back to court. He's like, we're not going to go back to court. What you've done, you're doing it. You, you took the right steps. The first thing you had done was you phoned me and you told me about it. Second step is that I'm telling you, I know it might be harsh, but you need to make a police report. So if he does come back and he makes a scene, when you do call the police out, you've already got the report to state why you're calling out the police. He did come back. He said to me he was going to keep, because my one-year supervision order would have finished in August. He said that he's going to extend it. And he's like, I'm not extending it because um, because you're doing anything wrong. I'm extending it just in case you need help for your, your daughter's dad to see her. I can make I can make contact arrangements that way so you don't have to see him and he doesn't have to um, be in your personal space and I was I was so surprised because some social workers might not I might not have got that same reaction were you in agreement of that then did you feel that that was a good thing to happen for the supervision in order to be extended or did it might that make you worried no when he explained why in the beginning when he said I'm going to extend it and I was like he's like he's like do not worry I'm going to explain he explained why and I and I felt fine and I I had my um, ex-partner's family support because they didn't condone his behaviour. So having the social worker be very clear with you and explain the next steps and why that was happening was really helpful for you then to to understand that process. Yeah, and he said you have not, you haven't done anything wrong. You've done the the right things. He he did ask me a question, and. When he asked me, I was kind of hesitant because I felt like, hold on, does this make us go back to court? So he asked me, was this the first time that it had happened? And I got hesitant because I was like, no, it wasn't. He's like, so when did this happen? And I and I explained, I said, it happened when we was in the foster placement. And he was so surprised. He was like, but why didn't you say anything? Because you, you, oh, he wasn't my social worker at the time. But I was like, you lot said that for me to have her, I needed him to be there. So I was just thinking about, I want, I just want my my daughter. I don't want to um, keep fighting. So I wanted to go home with her. He's like, but you could have told us that. You could have, you could have said something. I said, I don't know if it would have made a difference then if I had said something then. Or would it just, would it have made it worse? He's like, but you should have said something because we could have, you could have done it on your own in that case. But I didn't know that. That's what they said. They had, they needed him to be there. What do you think it was then that supported you in that shift to be to feel comfortable and able to be open with the social worker and make that call, which was a really big thing to do, you know, being worried about the consequences to say, I need to tell you what's happened. What do you think was helpful to to get you to that point and that relationship with your social worker? But it wasn't the same social worker and this social worker 
the he saw me as a person. He just he got to know me as a person. Obviously, I'm a, I'm one of his caseloads, but he never saw me as that. He saw me as a human being. So it was easy for me to have that conversation with. And prior to that, I had already had spoken to him beforehand with my eldest. So it was I knew who he was already. So it was more easy for me to just like have that conversation so having that relationship and understanding of each other was really helpful for you it was really helpful yeah. and even after like even when he done closed my case and everything and um, he was he 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 was still helpful because he introduced me to um the whole thing of this parent advocacy thing he's like because they said that you have you got any like old clients or clients that would be interested in that? And I've done quite a lot with the whole parent advocacy thing. Yeah. And it's because he put me to, he put me forward to it. So having that support then after proceedings sounds like it was a really helpful thing for you. It was really helpful. Is there anything that wasn't done after proceedings that you would have found helpful? Oh, that was different after sort of involvement um, with your first daughter? With my first daughter, I never had court proceedings, but I felt like they could have done... When I had my oldest, I felt like they could have done more because when it came to me... Because my oldest daughter's dad is very difficult to get on with. So I felt like I could have done more help in that situation. I felt like, apart from the, the sort of first social worker, the other two that I had was five. So what's the main piece of advice that you would want to, to give to a social worker that may be attending court um, for the first time or working with a family in court for the first time, or maybe that's really experienced? What, what are the main messages that you think they need to understand about a parent's experience of the family court? Um, be transparent. Don't see people as, oh, yeah, that's my case, whatever, whatever get to know them, understand why they're in that situation because everyone's situation is very different. It's not like some people might not didn't intentionally get themselves into that situation. So get to know them, understand their, like, get to know their background and ask them what happened to get you here. Don't just feel like, oh, they're here because they're being neglectful or they're this. Make them feel comfortable to get to know you. So it doesn't feel so overwhelming when, because when you when you think of a social worker, there all people think is, oh, they're coming to take your child away from them. That's the stereotype of social worker. I know of being in the sector in that situation. You're not just here to take away our children. You're here to help, but some you're not gonna get that because some of you don't know how to show that in a way for us not to feel that you're just coming to take our kid away from us. And I think the other thing, which I don't think we've captured, but I think was really quite powerful when you said to me about making sure that the the local authority and the social worker are clear about what their recommendation is and not just saying it's up to the judge because it is up to the judge, but the local authority will have a view. So do you want to just say something about that? I feel like you should put out your key points so you tell the whatever the family, oh, my concern is 
point, 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 whatever it is. And, and then you can say, this is my recommendation to the judge, point, point, point. So they understand what your, what your concerns are, but they also know what you're recommending to the judge. Don't tell them it's, oh, it's up to the judge because you're the one that has to file that to the judge. So I, we do get it is the judge's last final say, but at least explain to the parents what your concern is, what the positive is, so what you're not mainly concerned on, so they understand. So you can be concerned about certain things and not other things. And then make it quite clear to them that your recommendation is to the court is even if you don't write in simple form, explain it to them in simple form so they understand. Yeah. And it comes back to that message, which I think you've you've explained really well about transparency, about being really clear in your written work, but also having those conversations beforehand. And I think that is so important for social workers to do, because as you've said, that helps to build those relationships and help you reach that point where you can pick up the phone and say, I need to tell you something and I need your support. So I think that's a really powerful message. Thank you. Did you have any assessments of family members completed with what we call kinship care? Uh, were, were family members assessed as sort of potential carers for your daughter? Oh, they done it for a special guardianship. So it was my cousin, my friend and my daughter's grandparents. And did you understand why those assessments were being completed, I presume that was at the same time as your own, and 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 how how did those those assessments happening feel for both for you and for those family members? Um, well, I understood it because they said if if you couldn't have your child, who could have her? So I stated my cousin because my cousin's a mum, but she she felt uncomfortable because. To her, she was like, she kept on telling them, oh, my cousin won't need me. She's got this. Like, she's a mum. She knows what she's doing. So even she done the, she hold, she done the whole thing, but she was like, she, at the end of the day, she, my cousin's got this. Where my friend now was kind of, um, she was kind of sneaky about it because she said things that I was kind of shocked for, thinking, why would you say that? Because I know if it, the shoe was on the other foot, I would never do that. Because if you're my friend and then you need my help, I'm going to help you in any way that I can. But I wouldn't make you sound like you are a bad parent. And that's what she had done. She made me sound like I was a bad parent. And were you involved at all in those assessments of the family members to be able to maybe give your views and talk about your relationships? Or was that something that, that felt like it was done quite separately? No, the social worker asked me, who when, I, when he asked about the um, special guardianship, he said, who was you going to pick? And he asked me, why did I want to pick them? And what was the relationship? I said, that's my cousin. And we have a good relationship. And I explained to them that she was my daughter's godmother, even though she was my cousin, she was still my children's godmother. And he's like, well, what about your friend? I said, well, me and her have been friends for nearly over 19 years and she was my youngest daughter's godmother so I'm thinking I didn't put that title there for no reason and when me looking back now on the report it was like do I even know you because what you see here like face to face is not what you're writing on that on on that in that report because you're like yeah I've got your back don't worry 
anything, any help you need, I've got you. But then you're writing a report that tarnishes me as a parent. How is that you being a friend and having my back? And did, did that affect your friendship then and, and how she could then support you? It affected my friendship. I, I, I would say to you, I can't trust her in any shape or form. Is there anything that you think could have been done differently that might have helped that situation? You mentioned that you, you didn't think that your friend was aware that you were going to maybe see what was being said. Is, yeah. is there anything that maybe would have made a, a different outcome? I don't think even if she did or didn't know that I was going to see that report, I don't feel like I feel like it would have been the same outcome. And I don't understand why. And just sort of generally on the note then of sort of assessing sort of family and friends care, is there anything else that you'd want to say or any sort of advice or things that worked well or could have been done differently in your situation? Um, No, because the local authority stated when they were going to see each person. So you were happy for those assessments to be completed because it was people that you, you'd put forward, but it was helpful for you to understand what was happening and why they were being assessed and when that was happening. Yeah. The only thing I would say to you that I didn't like is when the social worker said he wanted a photo of me, my my partner and my daughter. And I was like, why do you want a photo? He's like, well, if you don't um, get your daughter and she's put up for adoption. It threw me off and I was like, um, no offence to you, but you're, I'm not giving you a picture. I refused with my whole heart not to give him a picture. He's like, then he was like, well, I might as just well ask him. So he went and asked him and he got the same, he got the same answer. Was that your worry then that that photo might be used as a, Almost a, as a as a tool to be able to remove her from you, rather than it being something no, that was like, helpful. Yeah, it threw me because I've never been through that, and it was like it was so overwhelming. It's really helpful as a social worker for me to hear that perspective because I've often liked that part about a special guardianship assessment because for me, as a social worker as well, um, I do some independent work, and it I don't it means that I'm working more with the the carer that I'm assessing. And it really helps bring those children to life in the assessment and, and put those those faces to names and make it a little bit more real. But it, like I said, it is a surprise to a lot of families when you suddenly say, can I have a photo of you? When that's not been done, the, the, the initial social work evidence never asks for a photo. So it's a big, it's, it's quite a, a surprise for, for families to suddenly be asked that. And I can completely understand why that would be a cause of anxiety. So I think that's really powerful for the social workers to understand as well. I think it comes back to that importance of clear conversations as well, because in in conversations I've had with other professionals and judges, they found it a really nice thing to be able to say, actually, I understand. I've got a, a picture of the child that I'm talking about and my making decisions about. And that and the parents, even though they're in court, it can make it more human. And that's a really positive aspect of having those photos. But it sounds like that that side and that conversation yeah. wasn't held with you and might have helped reassure you a little bit about why that had been asked for. He didn't say that he used the word adoption and that's mm-hmm. why he didn't get the photo. Because mm-hmm. he never mentioned always. So when we're in court and we are show we can state that this is the person that we're talking about. He never did that. If he had done that, maybe I would have gave him a photo. 
I don't know about her doctor, but maybe I would have gave him a photo. So my last question is, we've spoken about what advice you'd give a social worker, but what advice would you give another parent that's maybe entering proceedings or within family court proceedings? Um, I would say be yourself. If you've made any mistakes, then own your mistakes. Then no one is perfect. Everyone makes a mistake. I know it's hard to say, oh, but I've, I've made this mistake and I made that mistake. But you owning your mistake, then it makes the social worker understand that you understand why you're here. If you don't take accountability for your actions, then they just feel like you don't care. So I would say to the parent, take accountability so they understand that. Well, she understands that she knows why she's here. She She's willing to make an improvement on whatever she feels like she cannot do or she's struggling with. I know they're social workers. They're here to help you. So don't be so hard on them. Because I know a lot of us parents are really wanting to be hard on you social workers. But I feel like you lot are not all that bad that's that's a really really lovely point for you to to make and I think you know it's been really helpful talking today and I have to say it's been really powerful for me as a social worker to be able to have that um, sort of neutral conversation with a parent and and reflect on my practice and the practice of others because I think it's really important that you know you're saying you know not all social workers are bad but we we do need to really think about how we work with families and how we build those relationships and have that transparency and support you through those difficult processes. So I think, you know, the, the experiences and um, your story is really powerful. So I just want to thank you for sharing it with us and, and for your time today. You're welcome. listening to this research and practice podcast we hope you've enjoyed it why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on twitter tweet us at research ip